When Warren Buffett was a young college graduate, he knew he wanted to continue his investing career. I mean, after all, he had already become obsessed with the concept of investing as a teenager and had used his father's connections with a stockbroker to purchase company stock when he was younger. In fact, he started investing when he was just 11 years old. Now a graduate at the University of Nebraska, Warren had his sights set high on establishing himself in the business world. He looked to Harvard Business School, one of the most prestigious MBA programs in the country. After getting an interview, he showed up to meet with an HBS alumni who looked him over and then started questioning him. About 10 minutes into the conversation, the eager Buffett was sitting up straight in his seat trying to anticipate what was going to come out of the Harvard man's mouth next. Okay, forget it, the man said. You're not going to Harvard. That was it. It was the end of the interview, and Buffett drove home, worried about what he was going to tell his father. As brilliant as Buffett already was, he had been rejected. How was he going to make it? How would he find his way into the investment world? The answer is, he had endurance. Welcome to Stock Stories. Alright, 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 alright. <laughs> Welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex Mason and I am your host and stock storyteller. On this show, we decode the business behind the stock, as well as study mental models in order to make smarter investing decisions. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about the mental model of endurance. Let's get into it. First, we'll talk about the basic definition of the mental model, then we'll move on to explaining the concept a little bit further, and then we'll really get into how do we apply this mental model as an investor. All right, let's start with the basic definition. Endurance is the ability to continue on in spite of obstacles, to persevere. I looked at the definition from dictionary.com, and what they say is that endurance is the ability or strength to continue or last, especially despite fatigue, stress, or other adverse conditions. Simply put, endurance is when you just keep going, when you find a way, when even though there are things in your way, you find a way to either defeat the obstacle or move around it in order to achieve your goal. All right, now let's talk about this concept a little bit further than beyond the basic definition. The greatest benefits in life seem to always go to those who endure, right? 
I mean, think about some of the most successful people in history. I'll just throw out a couple of examples. One of the people that comes to my mind is Martin Luther King Jr. If he hadn't endured the hardship that he went through, he got thrown in jail, he experienced public humiliation. In spite of all of his ideas, all of his efforts, all of the things that he did, he still suffered through all of those things. But if he hadn't gone through it, if he hadn't endured the modern civil rights movement of the 1960s, that would never have been what it was without him. Likewise, think about someone like Mahatma Gandhi. If Gandhi hadn't led a movement in India, British imperialism, it wouldn't have fallen there like it did. He had a massive impact with his influence, even though he endured a lot of hardship. And these are just a couple of examples. And I know, of course, they're from famous people in history. I could go on and on, but you understand what I mean, right? The personal ability to have grit, to endure, it's what separates those who are victorious from those who accept defeat. Now let's take a quick look at the story of one of the world's most famous investors and see how endurance applied to him. Last week we talked about Berkshire Hathaway. Now imagine if Warren Buffett had given up on investing when he didn't get into Harvard Business School. I mean, imagine if he just said, you know what, my life will never work out, Harvard rejected me, I'm just going to go back to Omaha, Nebraska and just live a quiet life there. But no, he didn't do that. After getting rejected, he decided to keep going. Buffett saw that at Columbia Business School, there were two professors who had written this book called Security Analysis that he had liked, and he recognized their names from the book. And their names were Benjamin Graham and David Dodd. So he decided he would write to them. And he said, hey, I'd like to come to Columbia. He eventually got admitted and he persevered. But the story doesn't end there though. Even though he got into Columbia Business School and was taught by Graham, he still needed a job after graduation. Now he tried to get a job with his professor's investment partnership, which was called Graham and Newman. But at the time though, keep in mind that this was in the early 1950s and there was still a lot of anti-Semitism on Wall Street. Now Benjamin Graham was Jewish and he wanted to keep jobs at his firm open to Jews because he knew that they had a hard time getting Wall Street jobs. So he didn't give Warren Buffett a job and Buffett had to go back to Omaha. But Buffett didn't give up on his goal. A few years later, he finally convinced Graham to give him that job that he wanted and he worked for his partnership for a few years. After that, Buffett began his own partnerships and eventually found Berkshire Hathaway. And if you listen to last week's episode, you know the rest is history. Check out that episode for the full story about the company. You see, Buffett saw something in Graham. He knew that Graham was this brilliant mind, this master of investing. And Buffett so desperately wanted to become great at it too 
that he didn't give up until he was able to be in a position where he was able to work for this particular mentor. And I believe that this shaped Warren Buffett's career in a way that nobody else would have or could have at that time. It was so critical, but it wouldn't have happened if Buffett had given up after he got rejected from Harvard, if Buffett had given up after Graham initially said, no, I won't give you a job. Buffett kept going, kept getting better at his craft, and kept seeking out mentorship from one of the greatest investors of that time, Benjamin Graham. Now, we've talked about the personality side of endurance, which I think is really important, but now I'd like to turn our attention to how we can use this principle as an investor and look at it from a different perspective. Let's think about endurance from the perspective of investing in a company. If a company cannot endure, then it is never worthy of investment. Let me repeat that. If a company cannot endure, it is never worthy of investment. Does that make sense? I mean, it doesn't matter how great a company seems or how great a company has done in the past, whether from a business perspective or a stock capital gain perspective, if it doesn't endure, it doesn't matter, right? It's kind of like the mental model we talked about a few weeks back of multiplying by zero. If you multiply all your efforts by zero, then it doesn't matter. So make sure that you're able to keep going. And endurance is kind of like the flip side of that mental model. The mental model of multiplying by zero is focused on something going wrong, right? Like a company going bankrupt or a person going bankrupt all of a person or an entity's efforts being completely wiped out. Whereas the mental model of endurance is in many ways just the opposite. It's about continuing, about persevering, about seeing something through to the end in spite of risks or setbacks. Now, when we think about a company, what must it endure? Let's think about the different types of risks that a company faces. A company could face economic recessions, unfavorable industry trends. It could face competition or difficult regulatory environments. And I could go on and on. The thing is though, it has to endure in spite of all of those things, not just one or two, but all of those things could rear their ugly head at any point. Let's talk about risk factors and endurance. There's a segment of every company's annual report called risk factors. It's kind of depressing to read, really, but it's important. This is where a company lists everything that they think could go wrong with their business. Now, actually, right now, I'm studying eBay for an episode that I'm doing on them. And let's look quickly at the eBay annual report from 2020. Now, if you're not familiar with eBay, they're a marketplace of buyers and sellers. And they were one of the first e-commerce stores in existence, and they're still around today. So if we look at the annual report, at the table of contents, there's a part titled Section 1A, and it's called Risk Factors. Now, if we continue reading, it says the following. The summary of risks below provides an overview of the principal risks we are exposed to in the normal course of our business activities. The report then goes on to list a variety of risks in the business. Here are a few examples. 
Number one, if we cannot keep pace with rapid technological developments or continue to innovate and create new initiatives to provide new programs, products, and services, the use of our products and our revenues could decline. Number two, we may not be able to attract, retain, and develop the highly skilled employees and senior management that we need to support our business. Number three, we may be unable to adequately protect or enforce our intellectual property rights and face ongoing risks from patent litigation and allegations by third parties that we are infringing their intellectual property rights. And those are just three examples. The list goes on and on with management outlining risks to the business. Okay, but what has actually happened? Any one of those risks, if big enough, could have taken down eBay for good. Just imagine if some new technology developed in the past several years that just totally obliterated eBay's business model. Or think about if they couldn't attract great management or just even just competent management and they had hired someone who just ran the business into the ground. Like those things can happen and they do happen at many businesses. But what actually happened with eBay? If we keep reading the annual report and looking at the financial statements, we can see that between 2016 and 2020, eBay grew its revenue by about 8% per year. And the profits, well, they fluctuated a lot during that time, partially due to accounting rules. But at first glance, it looks like this business is doing fine. They're profitable. They make money for their stockholders. Now, remember how big of a deal eBay was as a business in the early 2000s? They were one of the first big online marketplaces, and Wall Street loved them, but eventually they moved on to favoring other businesses, as Wall Street tends to do, but eBay has actually returned over 18% annualized over the past decade. Now, compare that to the return of the market of about 14% annualized, and you did pretty well investing in eBay stock. So we can see that this business has endured, even with the rise of Amazon, even with Etsy, Wayfair, and a bunch of other e-commerce competitors popping up every year, it seems like, somehow eBay has carved out a niche for itself and it has endured. Now I have more to say about this one in a future episode. Of course, I've got a stock story for you coming up on this. But for now, the point is that a business needs to endure for long periods of time in order to bring great returns to its investors. And there's another point that I want to bring up at the end of this episode. I'm reading a couple of books right now, and I love reading books about investing. I'm probably almost always reading an investing book of some type. And the books I'm reading right now are about how to multiply your money by 100 times in the stock market. I'll probably have an episode or more dedicated specifically to this concept, but I do want to talk about it a little bit here because it relates to this mental model. The first book is called 100 Baggers by Christopher Meyer. The second book is actually the book that originally inspired that book, and it's called 100 to 1 in the Stock Market by Thomas Phelps. And both of these books are excellent so far, and they each have their own take on the concept that it's possible to find stocks which over time 
turn a $10,000 investment into over $1 million. And one of the characteristics that both of these authors point out is the consistency of business success over the course of not just years, but decades that these businesses have had to have had in order to generate just such magnificent capital gains for their shareholders. For example, if a business can compound at 20% annually for 25 years, I mean, that's the definition of a winner right there. The key is that it cannot simply compound at that rate for, say, five years and then flop. It has to have a long runway of growth ahead of it, and it has to be able to endure and overcome all of those risk factors that are listed in the annual report. As investors, we all need to think about endurance. If the companies we invest in don't endure, then they're not going to make us any money, no matter how good they seem when we first buy them. Look for consistency and look for excellence. Some companies are very excellent over short periods of time, but they're not that consistent, and that doesn't really do us any good. Again, it's kind of like that mental model of multiplying by zero applies in that sense. And then there are also companies that are very consistent, but they're not very excellent. <laughs> Think about some businesses that have been around for decades or maybe over a hundred years even that have consistently produced money for their shareholders, but they're not the best businesses. Well, okay, you're gonna make some money, but you're not gonna make a ton of money in that kind of a situation. But if you have that combination, if you have this magical unison of excellence and consistency, that, my friend, is the formula for high returns. Because if you have a business returning significantly and they're able to reinvest their capital at a high rate over years and years and years, then the math of compounding, it just works. If you're able to, say, have a return on equity of 20% for 25 years, like I mentioned, that's just incredible. Not many businesses can pull that off, especially without using a lot of debt or diluting their shareholders or some other means of juicing their returns inorganically. I mean, if you have a business that's able to do that, then that is the sign of a wonderful business. And I'll be digging into this concept more, like I said, in future episodes, but just want to tie that in with this concept of endurance because at the end of the day, that's really what matters more than anything, right? All of these other concepts that we talk about, we talk about margin of safety, we talk about opportunity costs, we talk about confirmation bias and recency bias. All of these mental models are wonderful, but from the perspective of the investor, I think one of the most critical mental models that we can think of and apply is this simple concept of endurance. Can this company last the test of time? And that's a hard question to answer, but it's a critical one that we need to ask ourselves as we pursue investing. Thank you so much for listening to the Stock Stories podcast. This episode was written and produced by me, Alex Mason, your stock storyteller. Music was provided by Janelle Leong, Matt Madden, Benjamin Frisch, and myself. 
And also thanks to the lovely Selenia Caraveo for helping things run smoothly behind the scenes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. The way that this show grows is if you like it and you tell people about it. So let's work together to help other investors learn about great businesses and buy stocks smarter. Now, if you like this episode and want more, maybe you want to listen to all of the episodes in the archive or you want bonus content such as episodes of stocks that are not in the S&P 500, consider joining Stock Stories Premium. This is where I put my absolute best investment ideas and thinking and where we explore more companies. Check it out at StockStoryTeller.com. Again, that's StockStoryTeller.com. Thanks in advance for sharing the show and considering becoming a premium subscriber. I really appreciate it. Until next time, what's your stock story?